Hello, Convention of State podcast listeners. Normally, we reserve this channel for audio versions of our live broadcast, COS Live and the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. But as a bonus, we like to occasionally release some historic legacy audio for your enjoyment. In this episode, you'll hear Convention of State's Executive Vice President Mike Wittenberg introduce Mark Meckler at the 2019 Convention of State's Leadership Summit. I've known Mark for 37 years. To some extent, you all know him too. You know how smart he is. You know how tirelessly he works. You know what an inspiring speaker that he is. What I'd like to share with you is in my many years of friendship with Mark, I watched him exemplify a quality rarely seen in those involved in the political world. Mark is unwaveringly principled. In decades of friendship, business partnership, and working together to save our nation, I've seen Mark, Patty, and his family in the fire. I've seen Mark stick by his principles, make the hard decisions to always do what is right, sometimes to the detriment of his family. And knowing that about Mark has convinced me that I will follow him wherever he leads. If you don't know that now, I pray that at the end of this get-together, you will feel the same way from this summit. And it's my honor right now to introduce you our host, your MC, and the president of Convention of States Action and the Convention of States Foundation, Mark Meckler. Thank you. That's incredible. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That's impossible to live up to. And I got to tell you, uh, as long as I've been doing this and I've been in the political fight 10 years now, I'm never comfortable with introductions like that. And I, don't, I hope that I never do get comfortable with it, honestly. I think politicians get way too comfortable with that. They believe their own press clippings, right? I don't pay attention to it. I don't pay attention to them when they're good, and I especially don't pay attention to them when they're bad, right? Look, I mean, the media is fake. They're fake when they tell you how great you are, and they're fake when they tell you how bad you are. So I just don't pay attention to that. I don't pay attention to it also because what I try to be is just like you. And where I find that foundation, for me, where I find that foundation is in my faith. For me, everything starts in my faith. A lot of you don't know my story, I'm going to give it to you very briefly, and then we're going to go to where I think we always have to go, which is to God first. Okay. When I started in politics, uh, I was uh, an atheist. I've been an atheist most of my life, and I was raised in Los Angeles by incredible, wonderful, moral people who taught me everything that it meant to live by a set of religious values, but I was not a believer. And so I grew up not believing, I went through a lot of stuff in my life, I became smarter, I learned how unimportant I actually was and how big everything was compared to me. And seven years ago, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. Because of politics, because of politics, this is really important because most people, I think we see people engage in politics all the time, and it seems like they're moving away from those fundamental values, the values that caused our founders to create this country. So I would ask that you bow your heads with me and that we go where we should always start, which is to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, please watch over this meeting today. Please watch us with all the grace and love that we know only you can provide. 
We're here to do your work. We're here to save this great nation that you've been watching over for so long and that was a creation of your hand. Most importantly, help us to do it humbly. Help us to walk the path that only you can set forth for us. We don't know the results and our job is not to win. Our job is to walk the path you set forth for us. We don't know what victory looks like. Only you know what victory looks like. Help us to walk humbly. Help us to walk with love. Help us to reach out and remember everyone along the way who might be left behind, and especially to remember with love and kindness those who oppose us. Help us to do all these things in your image, in your name, and for your glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I do this because I think one of the most important things, in my opinion, one of the most important character traits that a human being can have is humility. There's no way to humble ourselves better than to kneel before the Lord because that is humility. That's how we are built, right? And so I think this is how we have to walk. And I think this is really important if you're here and you're not a believer, then I think we still have to walk this way. I think this is how human beings need to live if we're going to live together. We're here because we believe that the country is at risk. Anybody believe the country's at risk? Yeah. Look, you wouldn't be here. There are other places you can be. You've traveled from so far. I appreciate that. I pre who traveled? I know there's a team here that traveled from Hawaii. Where's my Hawaii team? That's pretty far over there, too. So people traveled from all over the country because they want to save the country. It's a sacrifice to be here. That's what you guys are doing. You guys are sacrificing for the country. This is something that Americans have done since the very beginning of this nation. We study history. If you're, if you're like me, you've probably read a lot of history in the last 10 years, more than I got in school, that's for sure. And if you study that history, what you study are the great men and women of history. I call it the great person theory or style of history. And we learn about George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and Adams and Madison. And we're going to hear from some of these guys here this weekend. It's going to be incredible. I'm very excited about it. But they are not the history of the American Revolution. They're a small piece of that history, right? The real history, I think, of the American Revolution was written by people whose stories we do not know. Tens of thousands of men and women and families that put everything on the line for this country. And that's always been the case from before the founding, right? All the way up through the founding, through the world wars, the guys on the beach in Normandy whose names we don't know, the guys who fought in the Revolutionary War, the men and women that put it all out there for the Civil War, the people who have stepped up. And most of them, the vast majority, we don't know their stories. Their stories weren't written down. Maybe their families have trailed out. Their families don't even know their stories. We don't know their stories. But their stories, their stories are our story, right? I have trouble thinking of myself as Washington or Adams or Madison or come into the future and think Lincoln or, or the great presidents of American history, the great statesmen. I can't think of myself that way. I'm just a regular guy in the fight to save America. And when I think about that fight, and I think about those people, I have a favorite figure in American history. Most of you might never have heard of him. Uh, I certainly, his story is not widely told. It's not in any history book that I've ever found. His name is Captain Levi Preston. Some of you might have heard me tell this story before. I'll never grow weary of telling it. Preston was a captain in the Continental Army, fought at the first battles, Lexington and Concord, and he was a Minuteman. In 1843, long after the war is over, there's a historian by the name of Mellon Chamberlain traveling around the country, and Chamberlain is collecting the, last, the stories of the last remaining Minutemen. 
I, mean, I want you to think about that, 1843, that's a long time after the war is over. These guys are in their late 80s and early 90s. I mean, we all know people that age now and they're healthy and chipper and smart. Back then, that's like Methuselah old, right? <laughs> to find somebody, that, the average age was 54, average life expectancy. So he comes across Captain Levi Preston living in the great state of North Carolina. He's obviously then retired. And he asks him a series of questions about the Revolutionary War. Because Mellon Chamberlain, as a teacher and as a historian, believes that he understands the American Revolution. And so you can, you'll hear from his questions his view of the Revolution. We're going to have David Barton up here a little later. He's going to help you fill this picture out. But he asks this series of questions. He says, when you went out there to fight that day, you went out to face the Redcoats, why did you fight? Did you fight because of the Stamp Act? And Preston, according to Chamberlain, said, stamps? I never bought one of them. The governor locked them in the armory, and I never saw them after that. So I learned about the Stamp Act. Anybody learn about the Stamp Act in school? People were so mad about the Stamp right? So here's a guy who actually fought, said he never bought a stamp, never felt oppressed by the stamps. He asked him, what about the tax on tea, the tea tax? And he said, tea, we didn't drink any tea. We were farmers. He said, the boys dumped it in the harbor. I remember that, but no, we were not offended by the tax on tea. Strike two, right? So he asks him, well, what about uh, the great revolutionary writers? I mean, were you reading the historical writers? Were you reading Burke and Thomas Paine? And he said, I've never heard of those men you speak of. We read the Bible, the Almanac, we studied Psalms, but those men you speak of, never heard of them. Now imagine Chamberlain is very confused. His entire picture of why people would actually put their lives on the line for the country has now been wiped away. And so he goes big, the broad question, the journalist question, well, maybe it was the heavy hand of British tyranny. And Preston says, tyranny? What tyranny? Never felt a whit of it. You can imagine you're in Chamberlain's place. You're pretty confused at this point. And so he asks him, why did you go out to fight that day? Why would you face the Redcoats on the field of battle? You were a farmer. You were 23 years old. You had everything at risk. Why would you enter the fight? And he said, when we went out to fight them Redcoats that day, we meant only one thing. We had always governed ourselves, and we always intended to. Them Redcoats... They intended that we shouldn't. That's it. That's it. I think, I agree, yeah, that deserves applause. I think that is the most succinct and beautiful expression of the philosophy of the American Revolution I've ever heard. I've listened to Patrick Henry's speeches and read them and Washington and Adams writings, but that simple phrase about self-governance goes to the root of what it means to be American. What's so unique about being an American citizen. It really is a unique thing. And when I first heard that, I wondered where did that come from in American history? How does this happen to be in our DNA so deeply that that resonates with us? Does anybody feel like that today? I've always governed myself and I always intend to? Where did we get that? You know, because that exists at the point of the beginning of the American Revolution. It wasn't invented, it exists. And so I started to dig in and study, where did that come from? How could that be? Because that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. And I started to look for history books that covered the period before the American Revolution. And David can tell you this, not a lot of those. Not a lot written about that period. And somebody one day asked me the question, Mark, how long 
between the Mayflower Compact and the American Revolution. That's what we study in school, right? Jamestown, the Pilgrims, and then the next thing that happens is the American Revolution. So how long is it between those things? And when I was asked that question, there was a big empty file cabinet drawer in my head. <laughs> I, I don't even know, I can't even guess. It's about 158 years, most historians will tell you. That's five generations. Five generations without many history books written about it, without much literature about it, what happened? Nothing happened, right? For 158 years in America? Not, no, of course not. I think this is one of the most important periods in American history because for 158 years, the people on this continent, your ancestors, your predecessors, the people who laid out this country, who fought and died for this country for us, learned to govern themselves. They learned to govern themselves. They became self-governing citizens. What an incredible thing. So that's why we're here today. Because we are, and we always aspire to be, self-governing citizens. We've always governed ourselves, and we always intend to govern ourselves. By the way, self-governance means a lot more than calling a convention of states. I just want to be really clear about this. Gathering together, working state by state, and, and being engaged in the fight, being engaged in the politics in your state. All this stuff is incredibly important. It's not just about a convention. It's about self-governance. It's about being educated citizens, right? The founders told us it's just a par parchment barrier. Constitution, just parchment, unless it's us behind us. We need an educated citizenry. We were told that our citizenry, our, our constitution is made for a moral and religious people and is wholly inadequate for any other. So that's what we're doing. We are building our self-governance muscles. We are educating ourselves and each other, and that's what we're going to do over this weekend. Especially tomorrow, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about how to get smarter about being engaged in governance, right? How to get best practices from each other, how to be really educated about the process, about the systems in our own state, in the country, about how to know where the leverage is. This is the job of our organization. It is much broader than any convention. I also I want to give you a little bit of a legal disclaimer here, and this is really important. What we're going to be doing tonight and tomorrow is sponsored by the Convention of States Foundation. According to the IRS, this is what's called a 501c3 organization. It means we're a charitable and social purpose organization. And that means what we're doing here, and this is very important, is we are educating, we're inspiring, we're motivating, we are teaching, we are engaging. These are the things that we're engaged in. What we may not do, and this is really important, there's going to be some legislators with us, we are not lobbying. We're not talking tonight or tomorrow about how to pass a resolution, about how to be engaged in a fight on any particular piece of legislation. Super important that you guys remember that, right? That's the legal purpose, the organization that's putting this on is Convention of States Foundation, 501CC. So that's what we're doing right now. That's what we're doing tonight and what we'll be doing tomorrow. You know, the reason I'm engaged in this is because I am worried. I'm worried for our country. I'm worried for my kids. I have a son who just came out of the Marine Corps. He just started law school at Scalia Law at George Mason. I have a daughter who's a senior at Hillsdale College, and they're in the fight. I got to watch my son take the oath for the United States Marine Corps four years ago. The whole family was there. My parents are here tonight, by the way. Stan and Elaine Meckler. We all watch this together. Any veterans in the room, veterans or current? Thank you guys very much. God bless you for your service. 
So you all know what I'm about to say, which is you took an oath to defend that Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And that oath doesn't end when you leave the military, when you retire. I watched my son take that oath. He considers it an oath for life. And when I saw my son take that oath, to me, I thought, if he's willing to put his life on the line, literally, then I have to be willing to be in the fight forever as well. So I'm committed for my parents, for my kids, for my family, for all of you, for all of posterity. And I want to tell you one really important thing. I will never, never, ever quit. I will not quit. Thank you. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod. Thank you for listening.